there's a huge bias and a lot of people so here's the thing a lot of people when they look at bias are like i'm not biased but you know unfortunately we're all biased in some way right like if there are studies that show that if you're more attractive you're more likely to get something and if you ask someone hey if you ask any person in hr like hey would, are you more willing to hire they're like no all qualifications then why do attractive people tend to have the halo effect and all this stuff they're like there are things in psychology like stop lying you know just be honest and look at the actual stats and you know kind of put them into use them now there's another study right where it shows if your teeth are messed up that you're less likely to get something right and then these are things because and it's tough to really quantify because sometimes it's like maybe you're not confident because your teeth or right there's little effects right maybe 10% of it is your confidence then the 20% of it is that when people look at you they kind of think assume certain things about you because whatever and then other things is like how people how they per perceive clients may perceive you right so there are a lot of things right also the other thing is if you have teeth like that you may not have money so you don't know you're in a certain environment that or you may even if you have okay money right that you're okay that your parents don't know any better to fix your teeth and that's not something no there are so many factors right hello my friends i'm your host victor rampadrat welcome to the show where we share the lived experiences of ordinary people just like you we're amplifying your voice to provide a different perspective on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Our goal is simple, humanize DEI so we can move closer to a culture of belonging and respect. Today, we have the keeper of secrets, Jonaid Iqbal. He hears the horror stories of job candidates looking for work, but through resume writing helps turn it all around to land their dream job. He was born in Bangladesh and immigrated to New York City in the 90s, doing his master's at Columbia University, doing something I can't even pronounce, so we'll let him do that. He's also the co-founder at NoDegree.com and host of the No Degree podcast. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing today? Hey, Victor. I'm happy to be here. And so the word that he couldn't pronounce is actuarial science. So I used to be an actuary, and for those of you who don't know, actuaries typically model things. They work in risk management, risk analysis, and they're the ones who come up with insurance prices. So how do you charge for insurance for a 22-year-old male who has a red Honda Civic that's 2015 in Toronto? You know, And they kind of forecast the future because they got to make sure that, hey, you price in the probability of accidents, blah 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 and they use things like tickets your age as much things as they can because they're predicting the future right so they have to make sure that they have enough money to pay out when people crash interesting so i i, I didn't know that's what you did i yeah. could do a whole episode on just that and how they're scamming people on insurance rates no i'm just kidding but like <laughs> legitimately like look, i've look, always wondered Look, we just come up with the numbers. The business does the other stuff. Hey, yo, look, to be fair, too many young males crash their damn cars. Like, they got to be a little safe. Yeah, you know what? And, and and you're absolutely right. Like, the way I drive now versus the way I was driving in my early 20s, there's definitely a difference. So I get that completely. Um, listen, man, thank you for giving that sort of context around that. That's very, very cool. But you've definitely taken a bit of a turn, and we'll jump into that a little bit later on. But, like, 
Moving to the U.S. from a different country is never an easy thing. I mean, the immigrant story is one that I always um, have an affinity to just being an immigrant myself. But tell me a little bit about what it was like, uh, you know, showing up in New York City. I know you came as a young boy, but, you know, you, you grew up there. What was it like growing up in New York City um, as an immigrant family? Tell me about that experience. Yeah. So, look, I'm in Jamaica, Queens. We were one of the earlier Bengali families. Like now the thing is, it's probably like little Bangladesh right? where I live. It's just crazy. But we were one of the earlier families that came in. And you know what? I had a good life. Like uh, the landlord was Bengali, the people upstairs who live was Bengali. And then, you know, after a few years, different families moved across the street. But for me, it's just like, I was always like, uh, I had fun as a kid, like just riding my bike, I used to just always go downstairs, you know, hang out at that house. And I learned English by watching cartoons. Wow. So, and, you know, my parents always like sort of stressed education. So I, 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 I was okay in school. And then after the second grade, I got, I don't know, things just clicked a little more, you know, less of a language barrier, I guess, just more comfort. And, you know, I had an easy time making friends. So and, like a typical yeah, childhood was, almost. Yeah, typical childhood. I mean, my dad, I remember as a young kid, he was a limo driver. That was the first job I remember him having. And then like I used to like wait for him to come home, you know, late at night and then go to sleep. So he was a limo driver. And he's, you know, t he's the immigrant story, right? I came as a kid. So you're you don't really have the same struggles. And, you know, the struggles that we have honestly weren't too bad in the sense of I was never really hungry. I obviously he'd come home with the occasional pizza or like fried chicken and you'd be happy. And as a kid, that's, you know, you don't need like steaks or anything like that. And then my dad also worked in like a convenience store. He was a butcher at one point. I don't know if I was, or I was like around when he was a butcher because he came to the U S when I was born. So then he went back to Bangladesh, you know, cause he saved up some money cause he was a taxi driver to before the limo driver. And then we, you know, stayed and then lived there when I was like six months. And then we came here when I was like three years old and he had the convenience store. He had the, and then for, his, for the most part, the, as long as I can remember, then he started construction. So he had like his construction van and then, you know, he did that for even he does that to this day. So he had the true struggle for us. It was like we always lived with somebody. So we had like three bedrooms. One was like super tiny. And we always looked like my uncle. Right. We one time it was my aunt we used to live with. Right. And then it was my uncle. Right. And then it was another uncle. And then so living room. I think I used to sleep in the living in my parents room and then the living room. Right. We had a decent sized living room. So it's not tiny. And then but it was always like. People who are coming from Bangladesh, they'd stay for a few months, live. We'd always do that. Um, they would be the house that they stayed in for a few months till they got like their job or they found a place. And I always did that until we didn't fully live in, in our house until, honestly, I was in college. Wow. And then finally, like, my uncle moved out. Well, um, we say uncle, but it's just like everybody's up. Everybody who's brown who's is an yeah. uncle. <laughs> And then finally we live. But that again, it, that's not too bad. You know, you you live with somebody. They 
they pay some bills and it helps with the family. You learn a lot. Um, you know, I had fun. Like cousins lived with us and family friends and you you learn a lot and you 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 appreciate things. Definitely. And you talked about something that's really interesting that I've found too is around community, right? Like I mean, you were one of the very first families there. Um but, you know, now you say like there's like a little Bangladesh, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah, like yeah. people who come and immigrate from other countries look for people similar to them to kind of congregate with, right? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's another thing that maybe our guests didn't realize is people who are brown, we typically call out of respect um, yeah. elders and, and, and people who are just maybe family friends, uncle versus yeah. Mr. So-and-so, right? Which is a very different yeah. thought process because everyone in, in school would be like, oh, you have so many uncles. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are some of the things with um, your kind of going to school? Like, what was that like? Uh, I just realized today that I'd been mispronouncing your name. Um, so, like, what was that like yeah. in terms of having that going through school? So people well, always mispronounce my name. They used to look at it and then, you know, when they're go I'm pretty sure you may have had similar things, too, where they look at the sheet and they're like, uh, what is this name? Thankfully, like, I had friends. I was, I was, school wasn't too bad. Elementary school wasn't too bad, right? Um now, I got pretty good at school by like the third grade, and you know it was it was. But I always had a if I had my report card, like my second grade report card, it's always like, "Too he talks too much. He talks too much. He talks too much." And thankfully now it's like it's a it's a it's a big strength. So I was always a good test taker, and like for me it was like me trying to compete with the kid to see who could finish first, right? And I'd get, like, a pretty good grade. Maybe I'd make a sloppy mistake here and there. But I was always good in school. I mean, the the English and stuff, the reading, writing, I wasn't necessarily as good of a writer. And I became better, and now I'm, like, pretty decent at it. But I was, all like, math, science, all those other subjects, I was always a good student. But, you know, the, the, the issue is, is that my mom, my parents, they were, like, typical immigrant, like, got a 96 this kid got a 98 you got a 100 that kid got a 102 with extra credit you you know so honestly now i just i ignore my parents when it comes to like education and stuff it's just like i don't listen because they just have such a warped view of like of course there's always gonna be someone who does something better than you it's like who cares that's amazing that you got into that because that's definitely very much the uh the conversation in many immigrant homes Tell me about sort of education, because one of the things that I like, it kind of almost blew my mind when you first reached out to me being like, yeah, I have this thing called no degree. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, you must have had a passion having no degree to start this thing called no degree. And then I come to find out you actually have a master's degree. And I'm like, what? So so tell me about this yeah. whole journey to, to no degree. What does it mean to you? Why did you start this thing? Why is it important to you? I wish I started it earlier, man, because I started it in grad school. So it was like if I was rich, I would have just done that. But unfortunately, I wasn't rich and I sort of had to get a job from, to prove to my parents kind of thing and kind of at least please them. And then they're like, all right, the kid's not an idiot. And he went to Columbia and he got a job. He got a good job. That's like competitive. A lot of people try to go for these jobs. So how was it like, you know, Someone on Reddit, I was on Reddit, someone on, on Reddit asked, for those of you without a college degree who make over six figures, what do you do and how'd you get the job? I was like, oh, let me read this. 
the top answer was like, I'm a claims adjuster. And then it was like, what did you do? How'd you get the job? Right. It was like a friend, cousin, or he got applied. Someone told me I should get this certification or something like that. Then other jobs, surveyor, I repair elevators. I, I'm in this union and I have this certification and I do this job and a lot of people don't know about it. Or my high school teacher was the only one who did this and I learned this from him. And now I'm the, whenever he gets this, he gives me money and I learned this trade. And everybody was like, how'd you get the job? My cousin, my uncle, my a family friend. It was all right place at the right time where you had the connection. So I thought like, what if you don't have that uncle? What if you don't have that friend? What do you do? Are you just like supposed to work like minimum wage for the rest of your life? Because it's like, you know, a lot of those people who work in fast food, some of them are extremely hardworking, right? I worked at Popeye's when I was like 13 years old. And I remember I was like, look, I worked as a kid. I had no bills. So making seven fifteen was like, cool. Like I get I get this $60 paycheck and I'm like, oh, OK, I could buy something or whatever. But things like you look at that $60 paycheck per day and you're like, whoa, I made 1200 bucks it's like damn like now i know why you have to live with someone why you can't afford your own place and you know imagine you had a family or i was like i really don't or why people have two jobs i was like because sometimes they have like oh you can only work 40 hours a week you can't work more so now it's like wow i really see you know why people have to sort of do these things so i after that i was like i want to help these people and because I've always sort of been good at school, but I didn't look down on people who did bad in school because I knew some great people who just weren't good at school. And, you know, they worked hard and all that. So and I knew some terrible people who were good at school. Right. So it, I, I just hated how brown people just, oh, the guy's a doctor and he could be terrible. He could be beating his wife and but he's a doctor. Right. So I, I didn't like that. So. I searched up trades.com. It was for sale, but, you know, that's like a multi-million dollar domain. And it's trades like stocks and stuff. You're not, I'm not going to get that. So I searched up nodegree.com, got an inquiry, and then we actually got it for like 1400 bucks. So I split it with two of my buddies, one from high school and one from elementary school. And it was, we, that started wow. the journey. And then, yeah, it just that grew from there. But... You know, getting my master, I realized who school benefited and who it didn't serve. And just because it didn't serve you, you should not be just be pushed aside and cast away. And there are many forms of intelligence. Like if you judge me by my ability to draw, I'll be terrible. But if you judge me by my ability to help others, by my ability to connect, you know, my business knowledge, you know, like my math knowledge, like I'm not the best in math, like I'm pretty good. But, you know, I've seen those kids who would like be on their iPads and who you know score the highest kids. Right. There's some kids who are just straight geniuses. that, But then they struggle in other areas. Right. They're, they might they, they may not know how to communicate. They may not know how to work well with others. So that's how it started. And, you know, I worked for a few years, but I was always building it on the, on that's the side. That's beautiful, man. I, I think that and, and, and it was one of the things that resonated with me. I thought to myself, you know. We are castaway because for our listeners, I have no degree. I was on Jonah's podcast and it was a random LinkedIn message just saying, hey, like I noticed you don't have a degree. Would you be interested in being on the show? And I'm like, hey, I don't, but let's have a conversation. We've had many conversations since then. Um, and I just think it's such a valiant um, 
valiant thing to do for society, right? Because there's a lot of people who require that and, and, and feel shunned. Like, I call you the keeper secrets because I'm sure there's a lot of people who come to you telling you their horror stories of, of what's happened with uh, companies and how they've been treated. And there was something recently we talked about with regards to NDAs. Like, are you able to share maybe, obviously without naming names, but just some of those yeah. things for our listeners to to help people to understand that they're not alone in dealing with some of the things they may be dealing with in, in corporate uh, North America? You know, here's the thing, man. For a corporation, man, they pull a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I'll name a company. Um, you know, you look at the big four. There's something called PwC, right? Have you heard of that company? Yep. <laughs> My friend, you know, he's my business partner he's an accountant he has a cpa and pwc is known as pretty white chicks because the interns are pretty white chicks right and you cut you look at a lot of these companies and you see a lot of things man just a lot of things that are messed up i remember i was at a holiday party guy there was like a younger girl and the analyst and the guy was like married with the wife and he was like trying to bring her to the hotel and it was like at a Christmas party. And, you know, it's funny how companies always preach ethics and integrity and all the values. And it's like, at the end of the day, if you perform the function and you're in a certain position, those don't really matter, man. It's just, I'm pretty sure you interact with a lot of people who've been made to feel so low because of corporate. I remember another thing, there was this guy, right? Uh, Sp older Spanish guy, right? He worked at the company and he made himself into a position he didn't have. I don't think he had a college degree, but, you know, he worked in this function and he knew this function, right? And then they tried to give him more work. And then there was a mess up, like, let's say something happened and there was a mess up. But it was like, you shouldn't have given him that work. That's not what he was good at. And then he was a fall guy. after. So after working like 20, 30 for a, a long time, right? They had to let him go. But it was like the manager should have been the one let go because that was the one who just tried to put more things on him and gave him things that he wasn't good at. So when he made a mistake in this, like, financial analysis model or whatever, you know, he's a fall guy. I see it all the time where it's like people are the fall guys and it's just not fair. And there's so much that happens. And I talk to people, so much unfairness, so much... Like, I, I had one where he was like, he actually had to get a degree. He's working a job. They're like, oh, hey, we want to give you a promotion. And he's like, oh, you know, so just give us a resume. Like, oh, you don't have a degree. We're like, hey, we're going to actually, you can't get the promotion. And we're going to actually have to demote you from your current position, even though he was qualified to actually do the work. Right. So it's just crazy how all the stories I hear, man. That's that's insane. And that's what I was saying. You know, when people are coming to you, it's typically because, you know, they can't get hired or they're looking for new work and, and they're looking to kind of clean things up. And, and thankfully I haven't had to do a resume in, in a very, 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 very long time. Um, but once again, it's, it's one of those things where I feel for people because I've never heard more dissatisfaction um, coming out of people than right now. And I think that uh, what you're doing and helping people is is really, really important. You know, one of the things that we talked about or, or, or you kind of touched on a little bit was around the education system and how it's sort of like uh, set up to maybe not 
help the people that really need the help. Can you can you dig into that a little bit more around diversity and how the education yeah. system is failing some people? Yeah. So let me talk about Columbia. Very smart kids, right? But you're going to see that a lot of the kids are wealthy. I'm talking about like when I went to Columbia, I was like, wow, the kids are rich. Like I remember one guy, his dad was paying $4,800 a month for rent. So two bedroom in Manhattan, right? Midtown, 54th Street. His dad was also paying $5,000 a month. And the guy's brother lived next to DJ Deadmau5 in like Toronto. Like his brother lived in a hotel. Like think about it. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I, I saw like uh, my girlfriend went to a program was Columbia and one guy graduated. As soon as he graduated, he's an international student. His dad formed a company, made him a director, hired a CEO and a management team. So if you think about it, it's like that's like cheating. And then these people grow up to be successful and they tell you how you work. If you work hard, you can achieve anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like they cheated, right? They got like a million dollars in free monopoly money and then. You know, they were able to just bully other people, right? And not that they were bad people or anything. It's just they had a lot of privilege. So you learn that these, you know, while I'm tutoring for gas money, these people are going to Paris for their spring break and stuff. I was like, spring break is like, dude, I never had a spring break. I just had, that's like time I could work a little extra and save some money. So that's the thing about like these institutions. It's like a lot of the kids come, they tutored like, like my girl. My girlfriend's a tutor and she tutors over a hundred dollars an hour, right? For like math. And I was like, damn, I remember I had tutors, but it was like, you know, like 15, 20 bucks an hour. And it's because my parents saved and they really stressed education, right? That's one thing that I've always had, right? That you had to go to tutor. I mean, I was still good in school, but it was like when I was in sixth grade, I was in eighth grade math, right? In summer. Wow. Right. And I was scoring the highest in the class, right? Because the rest of them failed math, or <laughs> you had like one or two other kids who were good in math. So that's like now, going back, I was naturally good at school. I picked up things. I was a fast reader, right? For me, it was not a matter of like, hey, am I going to do well? It's like, how well am I going to do, right? I was aiming to be top of the class, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. But then if you're dyslexic, if you're not necessarily good at school, if you have ADHD, you have a disability, uh, you have these other things, you, you can't focus, you can't grasp things, right? Like, I understand a lot of things in math, but then there's like higher level math that some people grasp and I'm like trying to wrap my head around it. Right? And it's you're judged on all these factors. And then there's a lot of other things, too. It's like if you have a bad home life, if you have these other things like studies even show like kids who have breakfast to like score X amount. So that's why it's like the free lunches are very important. Like it helps kids do a little better. So because if you're look, if you're hungry. And I used to eat a lot. So I had enough food, but I was always hungry because I just wanted more food, right? I was, a, I was one of those skinny kids who could just eat forever. But if you're, like, hungry, you're just thinking, you're not thinking about your math class. You're thinking about food. Like, what, what can I eat next, right? And these other things that really impact. So a lot of people don't realize that that impacts. And then a lot of people who go to college, they come from middle-class backgrounds. They say something like 80% of college students come from middle-class backgrounds. And then... You have to think about like getting the supplies for school, right? So I was still, look, we weren't rich, but you know, my mom was able to stay home. She would babysit kids for extra money and my dad would save up and make money for tutoring. There are people who are like worried about putting food on the table. They're worried about being evicted, right? They're like, I know someone right now, he, it's like two, three kids. And one of the, the youngest one, 
her room is the closet. Like, she sleeps in the closet. Like, you know, so you think about, like, whoa. And I, one of my business partners, his mom, like, when they first came into the country, they stayed at their uncle's house. His mom would sleep under the, the table, like, the dining room table, because it was just a lot of families and that. So you think about, like, these people. And then you think about, like, other people who were, like, have, like, butlers and maids and, you know, like, a, I remember my friend told me, like, a story. One of the bosses that he had. Uh, at a at a place, the guy's son he would have a driver driving to Long Island. His son wanted orange juice, and I think his son was like a teenager or maybe even young adult. So he made the driver drive back to get him some orange juice and come back. So you you got me like this is a totally different struggle. Like it's like I I'm too lazy, so I'm gonna have this man drive like waste like three hours of his day so I could sip some orange juice you know it's definitely very different so, uh different different sides yeah. of the track if you will right i mean um, yeah that's that's very interesting that you bring up some of the points around hunger and 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 uh what's happening in people's lives outside of just the education system and do you find that that's true for the workplace now as well where there are people going into work that have personal situations that are pretty yeah. serious and you know maybe um are being set up for failure in the type of work they're being asked to do within the workplace and things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. I mean, look, if you look at this, right, if you look at medical school, if you're, there are very few poor people who go to medical school because even if you have, let's say you could get in, cause here's the thing, MCAT, you need to pay for the, the studying prep. You need to buy the books. A lot of times they have tutors and let me tell you, MCAT tutors are not cheap. The classes are not cheap. And, Right. You only have a certain amount of people who are, can teach them. Now, the thing is the applications, the process. And the fact is, it's like you have to be you can't really make money or support things because you have to focus on shadowing a doctor for free. And it's like, how do you shadow a doctor if you don't know any doctors? Right. And it's your dad's friend. So a lot of times that happens. And then you get to like the medical school. If you're poor, it's like very tough. Right. It's very tough. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not, I can't, like, if I'm 18, I can't wait 12 years to make money, right? I just can't. Like, I haven't, I haven't had money, like, my whole life, right? I can't wait, like, 12 years to get a real job. So it's, like, that's another thing that, like, the educational system and, like, these advanced degrees. Like, yes, there's always one poor person who works, like, two jobs, but that shouldn't be the norm. That's not what you should look at. You should look at, like, what's realistic and... You know, so that's another thing. That's how like the educational system, right, sort of fails and favors certain types of people with certain types of money. Like you know how it is. All systems favor money, right? That look. Think about a college student, and you get caught. You get pulled over for marijuana, right? You're poor. That lawyer fee is like gonna crush you. You're rich. You're that just wipe off, right? Now you get something on your record. Now you can't find a job. Now you can't. So you have to do other things to sort of make money. So all these so many scenarios where it's just like you have so many things. And yeah, they say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. But when a rich kid does that, they're allowed to make mistakes, right? They're allowed to like make mistakes and do all that and not have it affect them. Whereas like if you're poor, you run into these issues. Like I remember one time, man, I got a ticket and I cried like a parking ticket because it was like 115 bucks. And I was just like having a bad day. I just cried, man, because I was like, damn. Like, I had to, like, tutor, like, six, seven hours, right? And that would take, that would be, like, the money 
I made over the weekend. And it was just like, damn, like that hurt. Whereas like, you tell someone, oh, daddy's going to pay it. So that's insane because you're almost bringing me back to high school for me, like watching the different socioeconomic um, backgrounds where there was like kids who got, you know, 20 bucks for lunch every day. And it was like, you know, I was getting nothing and I was stealing from the cafeteria, right? Just to kind of get some food, right? It's very... I stole food. Like, let me tell you, like, I used to eat a lot, right? I used to love the chocolate milk, right? So what I used to do is you only got one chocolate milk for lunch, right? So I used to take one, yep. and then I used to keep one. Like, the tray was, like, let's say this is the tray, right? And then this is, you know, I have, like, let's say this this is the chocolate milk. So what I would do is, like, on my tray, I'd be like this. Like, the chocolate milk was under and I, that's how I get like an extra chocolate milk a day, right? And look, that's like something, but or else you have to pay like extra twenty five cents, fifty cents. But you know, I, I I know how it was. And then people used to I used to ask for extra food. Like I was a hungry kid, right? Just yep. it's just like endless stomach. No, I get it, man. And 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 it's, it goes back to people doing things that you know. Um, are almost like survival mode in some respects, right? Because they don't necessarily have the means to do it, but they need it because like you said, you're hungry, right? Like, what are you going to do? You need to concentrate. You know, there's a lot of studies, but people aren't paying attention to sort of these things, right? And, you know, one of the things that uh, I personally have a, a huge challenge with is, you know, people asking about work experience and i think you mentioned this the other day like you know tell me a little bit about what your feelings are with that because people are coming to school huge amounts of debt and they're going out looking for a job and everyone's like so so what's your work experience Mm. right and 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 like what is that like what are your clients saying what are your feelings around that yeah so here's the thing man i've amassed so much knowledge through careers because i've done like well over 200 resumes. I've seen thousands. I'm like reading all these things and I just had no ideas. Whereas you see a lot of kids, they're like, oh, like their dad got them an internship. My dad got me a job at Popeye's. <laughs> like that's what he got me, <laughs> you know? Like, that could, like yeah. that's so good. But that's yeah. what he got me, like a job at Popeye's, yeah. right? And then, you know, unfortunately in the, in the Desi community, we don't tend to help each other out because now think about it. It's like, I should have got something better earlier. So thankfully, I was very social enough. I used to help someone study, and his neighbor was someone high up in MetLife, and I got a referral. And then thankfully, I had a business, one of my friends and now business partners. He's older than me, so he helped me prepare for my interview. And then my other business partner helped, and I was always doing research and stuff, so they helped me do a mock interview. But these are things that you don't think about that you have, that if you have, it makes a big difference. Like, I'm, you know, I mentor my nephew who's like 13 years old. And I'm always guiding him. I'm like getting him into video editing. I'm like, yo, what do you need? All right, you know what? I'll get you a laptop with this program so you can start. These are things I don't even think about because I was like, yo, I was making 10 bucks an hour tutoring in high school. And I was like, whoa. And then I see these other kids in high school. They're like shoveling snow for like 50 bucks an hour because they come from like a wealthy background, right? Or just they come from brown people just cheap, man. They ain't going to pay you. They'd they be like, yes, you got like a no few bucks. No one's paying no 50 yeah. bucks to shovel anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like I remember I, I asked this kid and he was like, yo, I shovel. And he wouldn't give me the hookup. He's like, no, no, no. It's family thing. And I was like, damn, that sucks. Because I remember like I tutored for money. I used to do whatever. We, um, nothing illegal, really. I stayed away from that because I was like, I don't want to get in trouble. And I saw 
like I remember we used to shovel for money. So snow, we used to be out and we used to split the money. I had my boy. Then I remember I bought a snowblower. I was like, yo, I'm gonna invest 120 bucks, bought a snowblower. It didn't freaking snow for three years, man. <laughs> I was like, yo, we're gonna be able to do like double the amount of houses and stuff. So I bought the snowblower. I, I bought like this fifty or eighty dollar wire because it had to be like cold proof and stuff. And it didn't snow in NYC for like two, three years. If it snowed, it was like an inch. I was like, yo, what the hell is this? I mean, I still have it, so thankfully, but, you know, I that's what I was thinking about while these other kids are thinking about, like, oh, I'm going to get this. A lot of times they fake their internship, too. Like, the first one is like, yeah, I interned, I did paperwork at my dad's company, and you know it's fake, right? And then that, but that helps them get something else, right? So here's the structure. Like, a lot of times the first thing is, like, you have to get it yourself, and a lot of these people get do unpaid, right? And it's tough to be unpaid and not make any money because you have, like, the MetroCard fees and all that stuff. And, you know, you also want to buy your clothes. You want to buy all that. And then the thing is, you're to get the have knowing how to write a resume. I didn't know. Now, if I look back at my resume, I was like super basic. You know, now these things where it's like now I have the knowledge. So all these things. But you could have a crappy resume if your cousin father gets you in. Right. And then once you get that first professional experience, it's just again, it's all about once you're you know, once you start the red race like 20 feet ahead you're always ahead unless you like trip or fall and then even if you trip or fall the other guy comes you and pushes you down it's like you got to wait till that guy gets ahead of you you know it's 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 really really interesting kind of some of the things that you're sharing because it's it's the things that very few people talk about right i mean um i've always said it's who you know not what you know right because if you have that uncle if you have that friend if you have that person that can kind of pull you in it usually gets you to the front of the line right and yeah um, for people, I'm going to add to that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to add to that. Yeah, absolutely. I always counter that statement that it's not who you know, it's what you. I mean, what you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, it's who you know multiplied by what you know. That's what it is. And if mm. you don't, so if you don't know anybody, so think about it. If you multiply any number by zero, it's zero, right? So if you know a lot, but you don't know anyone, it's going to be multiplied by point one. So you need to know a lot to get where you want now the thing is if you know a little but you know a lot of if you know nothing you have to know someone high up you need to know the ceo you need to know someone high up so now it's like it's a balance that once you start amplifying who you know what you know starts really going high because you're going to see that in certain positions it's like you have to be sharp right like they're going to be like yes you could be the ceo's son but you need to really at least be competent. You need to be because you're not going to be able to talk to anybody or you're not going to be able to understand. Right. You need to at least pass law school or something like that. Right. So that makes, that's kind of what I would say. That makes a lot of sense, man. And and, and it goes back to the word that I couldn't pronounce actuary, where you, you think yeah. about things from a math perspective, like how do you take this and multiply or, or, or see that uh advancement right so i love that you know there's something that i wanted to ask you because it's 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 sort of aligned with you know some of the stuff that we're doing here at discourse and and which the show is sponsored by discourse but you know diversity in hiring right like i mean it's one of the things that have been a hot hot topic uh over the last little bit like tell me about what your thoughts are around diversity and hiring and what's happening right now out there so, again, there's a huge bias and a lot of people. So here's the thing. A lot of people, when they look at bias, are like, I'm not biased. But, you know, unfortunately, we're all biased in some way. Right. Like if there are studies that show that if you're more attractive, you're more likely to get something. And if you ask someone, hey, 
if you ask any person in HR, like, hey, would, are you more willing to hire? They're like, no, all qualifications. Then why do attractive people tend to have the halo effect and all this stuff? They're like, there are things in psychology. Like, stop lying. You know, just be honest and look at the actual stats and, you know, kind of put them into use them. Now, there's another study, right, where it shows if your teeth are messed up, that you're less likely to get something. Right. And then these are things because and it's tough to really quantify because sometimes it's like maybe you're not confident because your teeth or right. There's little effects, right? Maybe 10 percent of it is your confidence. Then the 20 percent of it is that when people look at you, they kind of think, assume certain things about you because whatever. And then other things is like how people how they per perceive clients may perceive you right so there are a lot of things right also the other thing is if you have teeth like that you may not have money so you don't know you're in a certain environment that or you may even if you have okay money right that you're okay that your parents don't know any better to fix your teeth then that's not something no there are so many factors right so a lot of times diversity in hiring just, you know they go race-based right they're like and what they end up getting is they just end up getting a rich minority and it doesn't really help because now it's like they don't obviously they still suffer in some ways. Right. But they're they don't have the same experience. So I no degree attacks diversity through actual education, because if you go after the people who didn't go to college, they come from all non-traditional backgrounds. Right. There's a reason they didn't go to college. There's a reason maybe like their life situation. They come from truly non-traditional backgrounds that are never favored. And I think when you start looking at these factors, Yes, there's race correlation with socioeconomic, you know, race correlates with socioeconomic factors. But now you're helping the people who truly need help and not the people who meet the checkboxes who don't necessarily need the same help that other people do. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I agree with a lot of everything you just said, because here's the thing. I mean, I know where I grew up, there's a lot of people who don't have access and, you know, it's not until you can gain economic privilege that you can get some of that access and it's still difficult. Right. So um, I've seen it as well. Like, I mean, you've heard of obviously confirmation bias in hiring and, and things yeah. of that nature. So, you know, I, I think people just need to become more aware that these things are actually happening and you get to you get to pull a diversity of thought. Right. And that's why I said, like, for no degree, yeah. I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's it's a very, very important work because you're helping to strengthening the organization by having people who think differently. You don't want group think of everyone saying, Hey, I have the exact yeah. same lived experience. We've all went to the same schools. We're all buddies. And I mean, that, that thought process is like, have you ever heard of lemmings? No. What's so that? lemmings are these little things that commit mass suicide. They basically jump over cliffs and they oh, all okay. follow each other. And and, yeah. and, and no one ever thinks to be like, Hey, I don't, think what you guys are doing is right like i'm gonna go the yeah, other yeah. way like they just all follow each other right and by having those yeah. different perspectives and allowing people who come from those different socioeconomic backgrounds or have those different lived experiences you actually get diversity of thought and that's ultimately what we're trying to do here with truth according to is to provide that diversity of thought yeah. because you're talking about things that very few people are willing to talk about openly and honestly yeah you know, here's another thing I totally forgot. I'm pretty sure I got eliminated from a lot of jobs because of my name. Right? This is a lot of things that people don't talk about. Like, there was a, if you look at a lot of resume studies, and these are pretty good studies because they'll take the same resume, change the name. 
And then they'll be like, if you have a white sounding name, you're more likely to get called back than if you have a brown sounding name or a black sounding name, right? Despite having the same experience, right? And there are things that show that if you have a black person, they say, hey, this is black author, rate this paper. They'll find more mistakes. They'll rate it lower versus a white person. And then, right? So all these things, it's like people don't really realize it. And I work with a lot of clients, a lot of Asian clients, a lot of my um, minority clients, um, like a lot of brown people, they'll have like, Instead of going by Janai, they may go by J, right? And then, because a lot of times, sometimes it may just be like, oh, I can't pronounce this guy's name. I don't want to call and call this guy. I'll call Justin. And I've seen it, right? And then the other thing is, even in schools, they're biased. I remember my business partner, who's a CPA, scored the highest. He was the highest scorer in the class, right? In the count class. And they'd be like, who is it? He would be like the one black guy in the class. He'd be like, who's the black guy scoring the highest? He got, and look, there's no difference between an A or A plus, but it's a principal. So he got an A in the class. The other white kid, similar religion to the professor, A plus, but he scored lower than him. So imagine if it was between the A minus and the A, right? Now there's a great difference, right? Because A and A plus is both 4.0, right? A lot, a lot of colleges. But now it's, again, it's the principal. Like he scored the highest grade in the class. Why is he not allowed to get this grade, but this other person who's the same race slash religion as you, why do they? Here's a question I have for you because you brought up a really good point. How do you think that makes people feel? Oh, man, you get angry. You get angry and frustrated. And, but you know, the sad thing is you feel powerless because what can you do? You go to, what are you going to do? How are you going to prove it? They're going to find ways. Oh, this guy participated more. This guy did this more. This guy did that more. And I've seen it just even in punishment, right? How do certain people get punished versus how other kids get punished, right? Right. You see in the school system, if you're black, you're more likely to be suspended by a white teacher, right? And then you see the studies of how black students perform better with black male teachers. But then it's like there are very few black male teachers right so a lot of times like these people you know you saw the recent thing like the captain did you see the captain america disney no. plus ah oh, man you gotta watch it but damn i, I spo- skip this if you know anybody <laughs> wants to spoil it but don't right i don't want you because it's a good series but you should watch it but the black guy and becomes captain america he's a new captain america what? so then you have like the see you gotta watch it so Thankfully, it's in the comics, so it's like, you know, it's not like it's out of left field, but like, it's crazy. Like, like I was, he was talking about the response, and then they were saying like how kids are like, yeah, I'm cap, I'm like Captain America, and you know, all these things like they imprint who you want to be when you grow up, right? That you see that, hey, like I am a symbol of, right? Because Captain America is a symbol, right? And typically, the first guy, you know, white, blue eyed, right? But having a black guy who, like, stands up for the symbol. And, you know, that's one of the things that the show goes over. Like, you know, being a black guy who's Captain America. And he knows he's going to face a lot of a lot of issues from the black community. Because it's like, but he's like, I'm still going to be the symbol. And I'm going to show them that I am American. Right? Because that's another thing, right? As, right? I am American, right? I Yes, I, I'm an immigrant. But I am American, right? I grew up here. But here's the thing for a lot of people. When you realize and learn of your skin color in a situation it's very uncomfortable right and that's something that a lot of people don't realize like i remember when i was like 18 years old i was walking in manhattan i think 
I was going to work and some old white lady, she whispers in my ear, terrorist. And, you know, it was weird. Like, you just, I, I just thought it was weird. Like, why would you do that to like some 18 year old you don't know in the street? Right. And then even when like I have small eyes. Right. So just I was always tired. I actually have sleep apnea. So that's probably why, like, you know, I used to look sort of tired all the time. Right. And I remember every time cops would like kind of see me. They would always assume that I'm I smoke marijuana always. And it's like I never smoke like I I'm, I don't do any of that. Not that I have an issue against that, but they always like. assume. But from their perspective, I was a certain way. Right. Like I remember just how they treated me in, in interactions. And you think about it and it's like, you know, all these things that you just see as normal. Other kids don't necessarily experience and you know race plays a factor definitely and 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 so does bias right you talked about it earlier right where people have these biases and you know you see someone um who has those types of eyes because it is a characteristic of someone who smokes they're going to believe that hey this person has done this but you know and may not give you the benefit of the doubt based on your skin color right and i think that there's a lot to be said around diversity and some of the challenges that are are now coming to light and you know have come to light before but i think the conversations are becoming more prevalent um people are more opening to listening i hope um but you know at the end of the day like these are real life struggles like this is your lived experience that can't be discounted and it's your truth right and i I just want to say thank you so much for sharing it here with us today um you know Going back to sort of New York City and 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 being whispered in the air, I had a conversation with someone uh, recently around nine uh, eleven because we're coming up to the twentieth anniversary here shortly, and it's something that I was very invested in. It was very, uh, you know, I have family in New York and and people who were uh, in the buildings just minutes before the planes hit and left, and it was just like thank God. But you know, there was a lot of confusion that day as to did they make it home? No one could get a hold of anyone. Was that when that lady came up and whispered that? Was that around the time of of nine eleven? Because that's just a really strange thing to, no, to whisper to someone. No, it's it's a that was when I was eighteen. So nine eleven was I was like okay ten years old when it happened. Yep. This is seven years later. Um, so there was a big gap. Um, I wasn't too affected by people necessarily, just because where I grew up there was a lot of. Bengalis and New York City tend to be a little better but so I don't remember too much but you know sometimes you don't know how teachers like now as I grow up I realize like teachers you know when you're young you just see teachers as like a totally separate non-human type people (laughs) who are only teachers who don't necessarily have lives but now that I think about it like I remember like I had a teacher in sixth grade but she was biased towards males, like in general. Like I remember like the girls didn't necessarily do their homework and they got higher grades. And, you know, look, I could have done better, too. Right. There were some things that I should have done better behavioral wise. But again, people don't like treat- being treated unfairly. Right. That's, so that's the thing. So I've seen that a lot of times. You know what? Actually, my high school had a teacher. She taught like European history and she taught like AP classes. But the way she taught it. It was as if like the white history was the right history and no superior history. And I have one of my friends, his name is Scott Goldstein, but he's an adopted Asian, a Jewish adopted Asian. So you have to choose your classes and her classes. There would only be like one, a few minorities. Right. But the thing is, 
I went to a specialized high school. Majority of the kids, Asian, Bengali, yeah, yeah, Indian, yeah. right? Majority of the school. So her class was majority white, right? And then my friend had a teacher. She'd be terrible, like mean towards him. He's a Sri Lankan guy, right? And she'd be like super mean to him and all that stuff. My friend, the other guy, Scott, got into the class. And she was like, hey, are you supposed to be in this class? Because when he applied, she just saw the name. She didn't see him. She's like, hey, are you are you sure you're supposed to be in this class? And he's like, yeah. So you got to mean it. And it's like the teachers, you know, if you wanted like the AP class, if you wanted that credit, you had to. There was one of the few classes. So, you know, you kind of see it. And then how they teach. Right. And how they teach makes you feel a certain way. And the grades, you think she was grading people fairly? No. Right. You just know she wasn't. So, you know, looking back, you know, I wish I had a lot more of this knowledge you know but you're not gonna have it as a young kid you just and the thing is unfortunately immigrant parents are just gonna be like no just doing good in school always right you know that's how they think always right teachers always right i mean you know it's good from a respect perspective but you also got to realize that teachers also really impact things and really just influence kids so thankfully most teachers were not like that most teachers i find that a lot of teachers are pretty good-hearted and they truly get into the profession but they're held back by bureaucracy but these things so right and so imagine having a lot of these racist teachers right who don't believe their kids of a certain way or they're not willing to help right definitely they're shaping young minds right and i think that um you know right across the board whether we're talking about education and pouring into people's minds or we're talking about the workforce and you know how people make a living because they spend most of their days there you know, we really have to look at things like bias and how they p- affect, you know, people's mental health as well, because, you know, you're f- left to feel away based on those interactions. So, yeah, you know, Jonate, I have to be honest with you, man. I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, but it was just one of those yeah. things where I felt we really opened up some dialogue around some things that, like I said, keeper of secrets. Like, yeah, you brought back some memories and. Like, I see it all the time, man. And, you know, like, my girlfriend, I know, she ran into a lot of issues when she was, because she's Asian, right? Very, you know, very smart, very, did well in school. When she was applying for jobs in finance, if you look at, look at finance companies, you look at the Asians, you look at the brown people, PhDs, masters, Ivy League. You look at the white people, University of Nebraska, regular universities and again i'm no degree so that's not as important but the fact is if you're going to apply a standard apply it fairly and just because of a certain race so she struggled a lot when she was finding a job now she's in a better position she has experience but when she first started it was a struggle and it was like you see it man it just breaks you down like you know and you know you just want to quit like i've seen people who just like sort of give up on the job search and it's it's just tough you have to like work twice as hard to sort of get into the same position and you have to it, it's demoralizing man the job search is already exhausting and tough you know any it's so much tougher if you're a minority so much tougher just because you have to prove yourself you have to jump through hoops and you get the typical you're not a culture fit you're not this you're not that and it's like i've seen it happen like i remember i gave one of the things i gave my friend's resume right he had like a 2.98 gpa now the thing was that in the actual field is competitive, so you need a good GPA. I, he had two exams though, so I I told him, I told him I was like, I'm gonna hand, I'm gonna go to the New Jersey office, hand deliver your resume. I said, 
I don't expect an internship, but she should at least give you a shot, right? And then I think, I know you can crush the interview, right? Dude, he didn't get no interview. No, inter- and this is for internship, not even full-time hire. He didn't get, and then the thing is, I found out that someone got the internship. He has zero exams. And you could already tell what race, right? So it you question those things, right? That you think about like, and I remember like, I felt bad, man. He actually went crazy. Because he couldn't find and eventually just life and, you know, everything piled up. But, you know, people talk about these thank you letters and all that stuff. He hand wrote thank you letters. He went to career for hand wrote thank you letters. Did not get one interview. None. You know, not even an acknowledgement, nothing. And, you know, you just like, wow. It it sucks. And then you see other people who just don't have the same struggle. Like when I was in that career fair, Asians, Bengalis, Indians, right? They had three, four exams, internships, and they're struggling to get their first job. And then you kind of see like a white person, one internship, right? And it's just like you just like you're like, it's so unfair because each exam is an additional 100 to 300 hours of studying. So this person needs an extra four or five hundred hours to be to get the same interviews right it's just again you see it and it's just like you have to work so much harder and you see it all the time so now imagine that person doesn't have a degree right and they're trying to break in right that sometimes these people have to get education where other people don't have to get education or they don't have to get same they and it's just you see these things and a lot of people just don't really talk about it. a lot of these things are under the rug Right. And, you know, in finance, it's like it's an old boys club. Right. That, you know, they think a certain way. They believe a certain way. They believe because they make a certain type of amount of money. It, It's just tough. Right. To sort of break in. Dude, Keeper of Secrets is definitely your title, you know, and thank you for sharing some of those secrets with us here today. Let me ask you this. How do you think as a society we can move closer to a culture of belonging and respect? I think it's it's just one of those things that happens slowly. Um, you have to acknowledge that, look, I have to get better, right? Like we have beliefs 10, 20 years from now, we're going to be like, yeah, we were messed up, right? Because I'm going to tell you, like, I remember when I was in high school, like being gay wasn't as accepted and I'm not gay or anything, but it wasn't as accepted, right? And used to call people used to call each other faggot and, you know, all these other things. And now it's not like... You know, I haven't had heard that word other than online in like years. Right. Like it's just not even used. And, it, you know, it's good that, you know, we as a society. So it's all about just being better and, you know, those kind of things. Um, you know, I think you just have to realize that, like, I was wrong. You know, I was wrong in how I thought. And then, you know, it's funny. Even like a lot of girls used to call me gay. Right. Because it's like, oh, you look a certain way. I had clear skin. So you must be like, you know, like no, I just. I'm lucky that I have clear skin. Like, I don't have any. But, you know, it's just the fact that, oh, if I take skincare and I take care of my skin, um, that must mean I'm gay, right? Because I have my eyebrows. I don't know. I got lucky with the eyebrows. Um, so they're like, oh, you must be, you're gay because your eyebrows are, like, shaped nicely and stuff. And that. And then if you think about it, it's like, it's not that there's anything wrong with being gay, but they're saying it because they believe something's wrong with you. And they're saying it in an insulting form. So it's not like if I defend myself, I'm not saying, no, I don't. It's not because I think bad of gay people. It's that's that's not who I am. Right. And you're using it to in a demeaning way, just like some people would say, hey, you're Mexican, you're this. And it's not like you're it's just the fact that it's used 
against you in a demeaning way. So it's like those type of things. And then, you know, now these same people, it's like, you know, gay pride and stuff. And it's like, I remember you. You were a freaking jerk. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when people are young, so, you know, I understand, you know, people in high school, um, a lot of girls. So, you know, these types of things, it's like we have to realize that we got to get better. We got to change these biases. Like, we got to change our beliefs. Because so much time, as like sometimes we get older, we get stuck to these beliefs. But it's like, I know I'm going to change. I'm, I got to change. And if I don't, then I'm going to be like the people who I grew up with who just wouldn't give me a chance so you know we have to be more open to things i love that my friend where can people find you uh so no check out no degree.com uh, i have a lot the no degree podcast is on no degree.fm it's on your you know your favorite apps and Liz, victor victor was actually one of the episodes cool episode and linkedin is definitely the way to go so linkedin type in janaya j-o-n-a-e-d you'll find me it's gonna say founder of no degree.com now the other thing is, you know, TikTok, I have no degree. There's like an Instagram, no degree podcast. So you'll find me. Once you search up, you'll find me. Amazing. That's awesome. Well, today's episode was probably one of the most enlightening for me because, like I said, I have not had to write a resume in a very long time. I've recently started hearing some of these stories because I've gotten onto LinkedIn and, and listening. And that's where Janide and I have met. And it's just unbelievable what's happening. But there's people like him making a difference. And that's what's important. So there you have it, folks. The truth according to Jonide. Thank you. It was a fun episode. Yeah, man. Definitely. For sure. Thank you so much for listening. Our show is sponsored by Discourse. We build belonging into the DNA of DEI. You can visit us on the web at discourseagency.com or check out our YouTube channel, Discourse Agency. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave a review, drop a comment, and most importantly, share it with a fellow human. Thank you so much for your support. And remember, your truth is your experience. Bye for now.